Welcome to the Bear Roots Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Sabin. And I'm your co-host, Joe Cusick. So, Gavin, uh, what's on the docket for today's episode? Well, uh, I think we should talk a little bit about who we are, what we're doing here with this podcast. And then I'd like to move on to today's topic, which is positive psychology and how to utilize it to achieve true happiness. So, uh, Joe, before we talk about Bear Roots, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit for the audience? Yeah, of course, Gavin. Uh, my name is Joe Cusick. I'm a junior here at uh, St. Louis University. I'm currently pursuing a major in occupational therapy. I decided to take this English class because it was a stepping stone and um, a required course for me to further my ma- in my major. Uh, my fellow classmates in my occupational therapy cohort also have to take this class, and they only had great things to say about it, which is really cool. Um, one of the aspects that I value most in this class is how collaborative um, and group oriented it is. Um, and we can use these tips and tricks that we learned in this class to further in our professional careers. I really enjoy the message and the meaning behind our brand bare roots, uh, throughout my life. I've always pushed myself to try new things, learn new things and push myself to always not be complacent. Um, I believe that this brand encompasses, um, all of the motivating things that I listed above when thinking about, uh, what part of the brand speaks to me. The first thought that comes to mind is the adventurous and inclusive facets of our brand. In my opinion, I feel that the adventure and discovery are super important in growth and development um, of all unique persons' lives. Inclusivity is also very vital to me, um, my groupmates, and my groupmates, um, and most importantly, our brand. A lot of fitness and extreme lifestyle brands commonly are associated with uncomfort and pain, um, disregard and disclude audiences that may not be able to participate. We obviously love this idea of pushing ourselves uh, to become the best version of ourselves, but we always strive for that sweet spot or healthy medium, accessible and fun for everybody. All right. Thank you really. Thank you very much, Joe. Um, so I'll go ahead and introduce myself too. Uh, hello, everyone listening. My name is Gavin Sabin. I'm a SLU here, like, or I'm a junior at SLU here, just like Joe. Um, majoring in philosophy, just recently picked up a double major in psychology. I'm planning on attending law school after graduating. Um, I took this class for a core requirement, but I was only required to really take a writing intensive course. And this this course was not really the lowest level course I could have taken, but I wanted to push myself a little bit further and just challenge myself. And I think that I think that this class could have helped me with my personal and career development as you know, as well as just providing a challenge. And I've always really enjoyed challenging myself, especially academically. It sounds kind of almost pretentious, but, you know, we, we all like our own challenges in our own specific way. Some people like to challenge themselves physically. Some people like to challenge themselves mentally. Um, you know, all, the, all those different varieties. Um, I've found, though, a lot of times, especially when I was younger, I pushed myself a lot to the point where I just I just sacrificed everything, all my my mental acuity. Sometimes I would just not sleep at all during before school, and I lost a great deal of motivation and passion that I previously felt. I feel I felt very lost and dejected, especially during high school. I lost enjoyment for a lot of the things that I liked doing, and yeah, it was a very difficult time in in, in high school, especially. But since then, I've tried to incorporate kind of a healthier system of growth into my life. And I've tried to help others in my life to do the same for their lives as well. And I think that this is one of my favorite parts about Bear Roots. Bear Roots is all about challenging yourself. It's all about pushing yourself. 
but we place special emphasis on maintaining your mental, physical, and social health. I feel many times as college students, we feel like the whole world is watching our every move and we feel a certain need to push ourselves to prove who we are. A certain danger we run into is losing a sense of who we are and losing the passion and drive that we have as young people. So it's crucial to take time to ourselves and really build ourselves and our self-esteem. That way we can continually challenge ourselves without having to be overwhelmed from causing too much stress to ourselves as a means of trying to prove ourselves to the big world. We hope that our podcast and overall brand can provide you with the resources and support you to accomplish your goals while maintaining your own personal well-being. You can find various resources and worksheets on our website to help you further your own goals while keeping your health in check. We also have links to our other socials if you'd like to help support Bear Roots. Anyways, Joe, I think that's probably good for introduction, so let's get into our topic today. Today's episode is Positive Psychology, Why the Optimism? We're going to dive into the roots of positive psychology. I get the joke there. Uh, what it is, where it came from, and why we need it. Positive psychology is a core component of our values at Bear Roots, and this is our pilot episode discussing positive psychology's place throughout the rest of our podcast. Our goal with this episode is to provide a good foundation for you to gather the proper knowledge on your journey to your own self-improvement. We hope you enjoy this episode, and if you have any suggestions for future episodes, email us at bearroot817 at gmail.com with feedback in different topics that you'd like for us to discuss. Now it's time for us to get into our topic, but before we get started, thank you for listening. All right, so now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, positive psychology and the history surrounding it. So... Um, when we look at when we think of psychology, uh, we more think of the original um, psychological approaches, which is focused on like putting a bandaid on things, you know, um, like using um, medications and surgical techniques to kind of like what you see in the movies to just kind of make the person feel better um, for a short period of time. But uh, when we look at um, positive psychology, it's more of a long-term effect, and it has Great, great um, effects. Yeah, I, I just remember seeing like, um, I, have you ever seen that that movie, A Beautiful Mind? I have, yeah. I just remember that one scene with the electroshock therapy, mm-hmm. and I, I that that scares me so much. Just like thinking about that's how we used to treat people yeah. that were you know in those sorts of situations, and I I just really appreciate the way that we've really shifted with psychology, m- focusing more on building good habits rather than like, you know, these archaic and old and outdated ways of treating behaviors that kind of don't really work that well. Yeah. I mean, we should be focused on, you know, treating the person and like focusing on how they feel. And, um, a lot of the time, like with people with various, um, conditions and, um, disorders, like we don't treat it in the best way possible in the past. And I think that, Currently, we're doing a little bit of a better job kind of meeting those people's needs. And uh, back to the movie that you were talking about, A Beautiful Mind, um, I think that it kind of does, puts a little bit of an extreme aspect on, um, like, psychology. But it definitely, I mean, it was pretty harsh um, in the past. um, But I think we're moving in the right direction 
as far as um, listening and um, focusing on how can we better the patient or the person um, to, you know, be the best that they can be without, you know, sacrificing um, their autonomy and stuff like that. So. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Joe, could you tell us a little bit about this uh, this Abraham Maslow guy? Who is he? Yeah. So Abraham Maslow, um, he's often described um, as like one of the founders of positive psychology. He's a big front runner um, in like coining the term and um, uh, kind of like describing what it is. So he um, he his beliefs. Um, sorry, his beliefs juxtaposed to Freud's concepts of psychology. Uh, he was emphasized human responsibility and growth. He also has a very positive view of humanity. Um, so he um, is thinks that humans are cap- capable of great change um, and that growth and their, our basic needs um, is, is and should be met. Um, so then we can pop into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Do you have anything to say about that, Gavin? Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I studied Freud a little bit, um, and, you know, there's the obvious um, kind of, there's kind of obvious red flags that come up when Freud's talking about, like, the, the psychosexual stages. But a lot of what he talks about is really, like, desire, and how humans are desiring animals. And it's this very deterministic and almost anti-free will kind of philosophy or approach to psychology. And when Abraham Maslow comes on Maslow, Maslow, <laughs> when Abraham Maslow comes on the field in 1968, he kind of changes the direction that psychology was headed. Um, he focuses more on human free will, which not a lot of psychologists did before then. Um, he focuses a lot more on the, well, you know, juxtaposed to Freud was, is the, the positive aspect of psychology and how you can improve your life rather than treating the abnormal behaviors that was, you know, so commonly used before. And we go back to the example from like, you know, a beautiful mind with the electroshock therapy or like, what's that? Oh, what's that other movie with, um, Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, that's gonna spoil that movie if I tell. <laughs> yeah, we um, might want to go. Okay, not go too far into that. I'm I'm a big movie guy, so I, I got big gotta, movie buff. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, but, um, needless to say, Maslow was very instrumental and very influential in the uh, progress of the field of psychology. So let's go a little bit into Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you could. Yeah, so Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, it's like a model. Um, so we use it to understand like humanistic motivations, um, and behavior. So I'm going to pull up the, the, uh, chart, but yeah. So when we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's kind of like the diagram is in the shape of a, like a pyramid. Um, and it actually at the top of the pyramid, it's self-actualization. So kind of like figuring out who you are, like what makes you, you, what makes you unique, um, and then you go down to the the lower, uh, still higher tier, but it's still second lower. Uh, it's uh, esteem. So um, that's like self, self-esteem, I think, and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and then love and belonging is the tier below that. That's pretty self-explanatory. So you, what makes us feel 
or what makes us feel like we belong um who do we love like it's just like kind of encompasses like who you are kind of um then uh safety needs um so that's just where you feel safe um what makes you feel safe and the needs that you have surrounding that and then uh psychological needs so that's that's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, do you have any um, perspectives on that? Yeah. So, um, you know, a, a lot of people talk about it's kind of like the basic thing that comes whenever you get into self-care. You talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, the interesting part about it is because it's a pyramid, I think the way that Maslow typically tends to frame it is you need you need each um, subsequent thing before you can get the tier higher. So you, you kind of started with the, with the, um, the happiest that you can be the most authentic that you can be in self-actualization. That's at the top of the pyramid. But typically, uh, you start at the bottom and you work your way up. And I mean, a lot of people have these, um, they have, they, they have a lot of these already and they like kind of like check off the box and go up a tier higher. And some people are not going to have all of these needs met, but at a kind of like a general base level, this is what Maslow said you need to be truly fully genuinely happy. So like the physiological needs, obviously you need to breathe to be happy. Yeah. You need food, you need water, yeah. um, all that stuff. Um, typically people become happier when they're securely employed that's with uh, safety and security you don't want to feel like you're in danger all the time and then you get to your you know your kind of sense of social um what is it like your social security mm -hmm. so that kind of goes a little bit into bare roots as well we focus on the physical aspect we focus on like the um the mental aspect with your safety and security and then we focus on the social aspect as well with your family. Yeah. yeah. And like, as you were saying, like they're all stepping, stepping stones. Um, mm -hmm. and we, we want that self-actualization. That's the whole bare roots goal. We want you to feel like, Hey, I found myself. I want to better myself. I want to, you know, become the best person, um, I can be. And that's self-actualization. So, I mean, I guess Maslow's hierarchy of needs is kind of very exemplary of like how we want our brand to like, um, provide it's like framework and uh right yeah, yeah for sure and yeah this is this is a, this is a great way to kind of frame how you can really adjust and like fix your needs as you need I'm trying to figure out a good way to phrase that uh let's let's continue on so like self-esteem is a little bit higher than love and belonging that's more focused internally and it's a step right below self-actualization, but it can be seen as kind of intertwined with self-actualization. So it's a lot of a lot of virtues. You have confidence, you have achievement, kind of like responsibility, um, almost like you know you have freedom in ways. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to self-actualization, that is like the pinnacle. You're doing all the things that you want to with your life. You have the highest self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. You have a healthy self-esteem, I should say. Right. And right. you have all your needs met. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a an important way of framing and way of looking at how happiness really exists in a person. And obviously there's some, some parts of that you can't really control. 
but that's that's our goal. That's our end goal as to get as close to that as possible. Obviously, there's very rare to get like a perfect, very rare if even possible to get a perfect, perfectly happy and perfectly self-actualized person. But that's kind of our framework and our foundation. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, um, I actually found a little chart like that pyramid chart uh, before it and I um, it just loaded. So um, this like the self-actualization, the top part, um, you're kind of looking like, as you said, at like a person's what they hope to be as like their morality, um, their creativity, spontaneity, acceptance, experience, uh, proposed meaning and inner potential. So we want to that's like the that's the tip of the pyramid because we want to figure out what is our inner potential, what who we are as a person. How can we become more creative? How can we become more moral in our deeds and how can we become more accepting of ourselves? So I think that that top part is actually um extremely motivating and it's it's super cool um and i think with our brand that we we really try to encompass all of these but self-actualization is definitely an end goal um so we're gonna move on we're gonna start to talk about who martin p seligman was big player in positive psychology um he's become extremely popular in the last couple months um he was elected the president of the American Psychological Association in uh, 1996. So he's often referred to as the father of positive psychology. And I have a little quote here. I got like two quotes, but uh, one quote um, that Martin P. Seligman said is, the defining characteristic of pessimists um, is that they tend to believe that bad events will last a long time, will undermine everything they do, and their own fault. The optimists who are confronted with the same hard knocks of these of this world think about misfortune in an, op- in an opposite way. They tend to believe that defeat is just a temporary setback or a challenge, that co- that its causes are just confined to this one case. So that was Martin Seligman in 1991. So basically what I get out of that quote um, is like he, Seligman, believes that positive psychology um needs to be like a framework that one dedicates themselves to um and by doing that you can take the hard things that happen in your life like the setbacks the misfortunes the challenges and you can kind of flip them and you can say oh this is i'm doing this to like you know make me better i'm doing this to like you know to reach an end goal to have a to have goals so I think where he's coming from is like, yeah, we can let these negative things in our lives kind of take us over and like consume us, or we could come out on top and we can use these as tools and to build us up rather than tear us down. So if you want to talk about that a little bit, Gavin. Yeah, it's it's very um, it's profound to me how Seligman tends to view happiness as more, it's a very perspective thing for him. So a lot of what he focuses on is re restructuring, reconstructing your kind of view, your perspective, your outlook on the certain events in your life. And really what defines your happiness is not the events that happen. It's the way that you look at them. Um, and that's, that's something that's very profound and not really heard of before. Um, 
because and this this is this is something that um we talk a little bit about more there's this concept called the hedonic treadmill um and it's this idea that good or bad events over time over the course of your life have less and less meaning on your overall happiness um and it typically drops off after about a year so let's say you get into a situation, let's say you have a really nice job and you learn that your company is going defunct and you get fired. After about a year, that has no effect on your level of happiness. And it all started with this idea from Seligman that the outlook, that the perspective is really what affects your happiness level. And if you look back a year at, you know, events that happened to you into the past. And of course it's traumatic events that still happen or that um, affect people throughout their entire lives. But um, those big events, a lot of those big events have a, not, not as much meaning to your happiness as you would really think. 